Slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. So today we're talking about First Date that aired February 11th, 2003. According to Nikki Stafford's, Stafford's Bite Me episode guide, here's the short and sweet summary. Buffy and Xander each go out on a date and encounter big surprises when they do. (laughs) So Nikki Stafford spends some time making snide remarks about Ashanti. And I I just want to say I'm not here for that. Like, first of all, I don't really know Ashanti's music. However, her presence in this episode was just a delight, I think. She has the two best outfits in the episode. She's cute. She's so fucking cute. She has just the most beautiful smile. And I just... Who wouldn't go on a date with her? I mean, maybe she's not the best actor in the world, but who cares? She she does a great one-off demon chick thing. Although I will say, I don't know why, but it just felt racist whenever Ashanti gets killed, like Buffy beheads her with a sword at the end of the episode. And sorry, I'm not going to be calling her Lissa by her character's name. I'm just going to be calling her Ashanti. So Ashanti gets beheaded by Buffy. And when her head comes off, she like reverts to her demon self, I guess, which is like, looks to me like an old white dude. So she, a powerful black woman becomes an old white dude when she's killed. I mean, I'm probably being a little bit sensitive. I also think that the whole, I can't really put my finger on it, but the whole Chow Ann situation feels really racist to me. Like probably just because we don't have ever any other Asian representations of characters in Buffy, like ever, 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 ever. I can't even think of one. And so the only one is Chowan and she doesn't speak English and everybody, it's just sort of a joke. It's a joke that she doesn't speak English and Giles is talking to her the way that stupid people talk to people that don't speak English, like just talking loud and slow at her. Like that doesn't change the fact that she doesn't know what you're fucking saying, asshole. And Giles would be smarter than that and also more cultured than that. And he would also, in any other circumstance like this, he would be studying Cantonese and he he would have been doing that before he went to pick her up because we find out that, you know, he was going to Shanghai to pick someone up, a potential slayer. We found that out a couple episodes ago. So he would have been studying. He would have... Giles would have been much more mindful about this, but they're just throwing it off. Like, and I'm sure that actor didn't love her part in this show <laughs> being the one and only Asian actor in this show, like ever. I mean, I might be forgetting someone, but seriously, 
probably the only named Asian character in the entirety of this show. And she's treated like a fucking joke. I mean, I guess it could be worse. She could be long ducked on, but it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And while we're on the subject of things that are ist in this episode, that whole fucking joke at the end of the episode with, of course, I'm getting ahead of myself, but whatever, we do things out of order here. Hi, are you new here? Probably not if you're listening to this random episode. Um, if you are, um, this is definitely not the best Buffy podcast out there, and it's not spoiler free, but I'm a one woman show and I'm doing my best. <laughs> anyway, so what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spirits that haunt this house. Tell me, what was we talking about? <laughs> my favorite Meatwad quote from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Okay. Yes, we were reading Meatwad quotes at, you know, midnight last night. Michael and I. That's the kind of thing we do. Um, okay, so at the end of the episode, you know, they're all joking about how you know, Xander can only attract demon women. And so he decides to swear off women altogether, which, you know, just that joke in and of itself, yes, it's overdone and it would be kind of cliche, but they take it way too far. Um, because he's, he like tells Willow to gay him up. <laughs> like, like she can turn him gay because she's gay. Or is he just Maybe, okay, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that joke was because Willow is such a powerful witch, maybe she could turn him gay magically if she wanted to. <laughs> anyway, that was a bad joke too. Very homophobic bullshit. Anyway, I'm going to um, read you a few things from Nikki Stafford's episode guide that I highlighted. highlighted. So in this episode, we get Giles being serious and luxury which is in and of itself sort of a throwback to the way that Giles was in the beginning of the show. But it doesn't, it feels kind of out of place in season seven because he's not this guy anymore. You know, like, I mean, yes, he sort of like urges them all to take things seriously, but it's, it's with a little bit more love than he's doing in this episode. In this episode, he's just very annoyed with everyone. and He's lecturing them and Buffy for a, would normally also be like this, but she's not joyless in this episode. Just like randomly, she's not joyless for once in her life, which I think she'll be back to being joyless again in the next episode. But I mean, this, this episode could have possibly been just seamlessly. I mean, besides the plot points, obviously, but just like the way that the characters are all acting, this episode could have been in the middle of season two, you know? Which is okay, but it just doesn't make sense that Giles... The The only thing that does make sense is when Giles lectures Buffy about re-insoling Spike. Re-insoling? Re... Getting the chip removed. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and one thing that I thought about that Nikki Stafford says in her episode guide as well is like, well, of course Giles would be really upset that she did that. Because... Guess who else had a soul? He didn't have a soul at the time, but um, Angel tortured Giles, like, a lot. Like, bad. It was awful. 
if you guys remember that, that was like season two, maybe three, but I think it was two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was two because that was the season that Angel was bad was two. Um, yeah. So of course he would be pissed at this and he doesn't bring that up. I think it would have been a little bit more effective, but we're not supposed to be on Giles' side. We're supposed to think that he's being an annoying, worrywart adult right now. But I think he has some good points, you know? Um, so we'll get back to that, but let's see. Okay, so this is something that I highlighted from the very end of the episode, but just to get the, you know, the stuff from the episode guide out of the way first, so I can put the book aside and look at my own notes. Um, my table isn't big enough for both of these things at the same time, <laughs> but okay. Giles, tired of all the dating and joking around, insists that the game be gang become more serious. This happens at the very end of the episode. Perhaps his insistence is a comment on the show, which will become much darker from this point on, with only one more comic episode to come, which means the only comic episode to come is two weeks from today, which is Storyteller, which is that one where Andrew is just being cute and amazing for the entire episode, and I love it. Um, so yeah, we've got, okay. Oh, just a little slip up that I completely missed, but Nikki Stafford noticed. Um, there's a scene where, uh, Principal Wood is driving Buffy and Spike, who's in the back seat, to go save Xander. And, <laughs> um, he's like glaring at Spike in the rear view mirror. Guess who doesn't have a reflection? Spike, because he's a vampire. And so he wouldn't be glaring at him in the rearview mirror. And he didn't find out that he was a vampire until they were fighting and he saw his vamp face. So it's not like he figured it out in this moment and that was what that look was. Um, you know, anyway. So, astute observation that I did not notice. Okay, let's move on to my notes. Put the bookmark back in. Okay. So the very first scene is we're actually seeing what happened in that moment when the ax was about to hit Giles. Um, he turns around and like, he has this real badass moment, which is fun to see because we don't get to see Giles being a badass very often. So that was fun. And then we get Giles talking to Chowan loudly and they're walking through the cemetery with Buffy. It's like Giles, Buffy, Chowan, and, um, Spike, maybe? No, Spike runs into them or something and he attacks Giles because he suspects that Giles is the first because I guess he didn't get the memo that he's not. And Giles is, so that's a, their narrative device for Giles immediately figuring out that Spike doesn't have a chip because um, Spike tackled Giles to the ground and Spike's not in pain. And I think, th and this is our first time of finding out too, actually, because we don't see Buffy make the decision in the last episode. We just see that she was given the choice. So uh, her and Spike sort of explain it. And so 
in the last episode, like I was saying, I think it's an amazing display of trust. And it backs up the fact that Buffy told Spike that she believes in him. The fact that she did elect to get the chip removed. Um, I like that. But from Giles's point of view, I can completely understand why he's pissed about it. Um, so I wrote in my notes, Giles is appropriately shocked. Because he is. And the next scene is Giles going, like the after credit scene or whatever... Giles comes into Buffy's bedroom while she's getting ready for the day. Um, her day at school, I guess. And he talks to Buffy about it. And, you know, he has some good arguments, you know, like the main one being uh, the first has a trigger for Spike. They can activate him and it didn't you know, it didn't activate his chip before, but maybe his chip wasn't working properly. And if she had had it prepared, repaired, then maybe that would prevent the trigger from working, which I didn't think about that, but that's a really good point, Giles. That's a really good point. That's not what was happening. I don't think, but I mean, they never say that anyway, but good point. Like seriously. And you know, he's, He's showing concern for her and she's really pushing him away. She's shutting him down. She really, I don't, hmm, I don't know if we have another good moment between Giles and Buffy. You know, like one of the important to me relationships throughout the show is theirs because, you know, I didn't, I mean, not that I didn't have a father figure growing up, you know, I knew my dad, um, but he wasn't very dad-like, you know? <laughs> but so I do sort of see Giles as a surrogate dad um, character in my life. And he's one that really never let us down, you know? Truly. Like, even when he suffocated Ben at the end of season five, he did it because he had to, you know? He wasn't doing it out of malice. Um, it was a shocking moment, but it, he felt that he needed to do it and it wasn't, it wasn't a great thing to do, but yeah, that was really the only time Giles ever even got close to letting us down. Besides the fact that he complied with that whole cruciamentum thing whenever Buffy turned 18 at first, but then he defied it. So I don't know if we get, because we get a really bad moment between the two of them soon when Buffy slams the door in his face and tells him she doesn't need a watcher anymore. And that's, that's a hurtful moment. I'm not looking forward to that moment. I'm going to cry for sure. I haven't been crying this, this season, really. I mean, I'm sure it's happened at some point, but this season hasn't been all about punishing pain. <laughs> punishing emotional pain at every turn. So that's nice. We can take a moment to acknowledge that we haven't been in punishing emotional pain this entire season. Yay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm almost thinking like right now, obviously we haven't finished season seven and season seven still has a lot of good episodes, but I don't think you know, if the show had just stopped 
at the end of season six, we wouldn't have that amazing series ending episode. That would have been sad to not have that. But what if, okay, here's an alternate reality. What do you guys think about this? What if the show ended at the end of season six and instead of getting like graphic novels following, we just got like either a movie that sort of encompassed the events of season seven or a novel. So they could have hit all the major points. The fact that Spike got his soul back for Buffy and that whole rebuilding trust storyline. Um, we could have gotten, you know, Dawn now being a badass storyline. I mean, if Xander has to lose his eye, fine. I used to be really pissed at that whole situation, but whatever. Um, and then we could have gotten what happens in the very last episode. Although we wouldn't have all this Andrew without season seven. Okay, fine. Or maybe see, okay, here, here's the real alternate reality. <laughs> season se seven should have been like half as long. And we should have spent less time with Spike and Buffy and more time with other characters. And one of the things that, I mean, maybe I'm forgetting something. I mean, I know they make up after Buffy is a total asshole to Giles. I know they make up but I don't remember that scene in specific. So I don't know if it was that heartwarming because it should have been because Giles has always been there for Buffy and they have a special relationship, possibly the most special Slayer watcher relationship that's ever existed because I don't think any other Slayers lasted as long as Buffy, you know? So anyway, that's shitty. I don't know. I just, I don't like that. But at one point, you know, he's, he's coming from a place of concern. Like not only like, is he telling her that she is losing sight of the big picture because she kind of is, but he also says, I want more for you. And Buffy says something to an extent of like, you know, she's basically implying that they haven't, you know, they're not in a relationship anymore or whatever. And Giles is like, it doesn't matter if you're no longer physical. He relies on you. You rely on him. And that way lies pain. And I don't, I want more for you. I don't want that for you. And it's really sweet. It's coming from just a caring place. I mean, yeah, he's being a little like, this is the way things should be adult, but it's warranted. It's coming from the right place. And Buffy's just, you know, shoving him off. It's just, it just sucks. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like there being a rift between Buffy and Giles. And, you know, I could accept it if it was a rift between Buffy and Giles that gets adequately, a storyline that's adequately fle fleshed out. But it's not. We get this moment. Then we get the moment where she slams the door in his face and she's an asshole to him. And then at some point they make up. We're, we're getting, we're going to get several episodes. I remember this much, several episodes of Giles just being very anti-Spike. Like, almost like an obsession, which doesn't track. I mean, it tracks that he would be upset about Spike. Because this time around, guys, like, one thing I'm noticing is that Buffy is super into Spike right now like a lot, like way too much. Like she's kind of obsessed with him right now. 
<laughs> I don't understand it. Um, I mean, I get why she wants him around and all of that stuff. He's earned his place in her heart, but she's really distracted by him right now. Giles is not wrong. And I don't think I ever really noticed that before. So yeah, that's how I'm feeling about that right now. Um, we get the Ashanti and Xander meet cute at a hardware store. It looks like, like Lowe's or Home Depot or something. And it's cute. Like pretty much any time. This one was not the best interaction, <laughs> but because Xander's just not at his best right now. Nicholas Brendan is not at his best right now. And I think I just finished reading guys. Oh my God. I just finished reading Matthew Perry's you know, Chandler Bing. There's a weird sound happening. What is that? Hold on. Okay. It seems to be my, my little tiny heater. I don't know if it's like getting ready to stop working or something, but it's small enough that if it catches fire, I'll be okay. And if this episode is out, you know that, that I didn't burn the house down. So it's okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, so we get the Okay. Sorry. So I finished, I just finished reading Matthew Perry's, um, autobiography, memoir, whatever. And it was really upsetting, super upsetting. Like it's like 90% of the text is just about his addiction issues that he's dealt with for most of his life at this point. Um, and it was just really heartbreaking. And it reminded me like this scene in particular, reminded me of that because at this point in time, I don't know all the details, but I know that Nicholas Brendan, um, I know that he's had like some problems. I think he, I mean, not only like alcoholism, but other more scary stuff. Um, and I feel for him, like you can tell, you can tell in the last couple seasons of the show, like he's not, he's not at his best, you know? And this moment reminds me of that because usually in these moments when Xander is like flirting with someone or something, he's usually really charming. And this scene fell flat and I don't think it's Ashanti's fault, <laughs> but the two of them didn't really have any chemistry at all. <laughs> anyway, so where are we? Buffy starts investigating. She's kind of investigating Principal Wood. She's poking around in his office to see if he's hiding anything because, you know, she noticed that he had the shovel a few episodes ago. She men mentions it to Giles when they're talking. Um, and Principal Wood comes in and sees her snooping around, but he pretends not to notice. And she has a terrible excuse for what she's doing. And he decides to ask her on a date question mark. This in general, this episode doesn't really like let us know. Was this kind of like a possible relationship that got thwarted because Buffy still has feelings for Spike or was it never supposed to be a date in the first place? I can't tell with, I just can't tell. I can't tell. Okay. Sorry for the 
sound change in the room, but like my heater was just annoying me. So it's possible that the sound of it was annoying you. I don't know if like a coil broke in there or something. It's just rattling around, but it sounds almost like ice hitting the window. So at first I was like, is it like icing outside? Anyway, it might get a little cold in my closet now that my little heater's not on, but whatever. At least there's not an annoying sound in the background. Okay, so I don't know. The, the episode just doesn't really make it clear. I think what we were supposed to get from all the context of the episode out of this whole thing is that Principal Wood maybe didn't think of it as a date until they were actually sitting together and maybe they had a little bit of chemistry and then he was decided he was into her. I don't know. Is this some sort of mommy shit? Because his mom was a slayer and then he's into Buffy because he's serving a lot of really like your tone is very pointed right now kinds of looks at Spike. But and that starts before he realizes Spike is a vampire and that starts before he realizes not only is Spike a vampire, but he's the one that killed his mother. He finds both of those things out in this episode, but he's given those looks. I mean, maybe this, this guy just isn't a very good actor. Yeah, I think that's probably true, actually. I think he's not a very good actor because he just doesn't really have range, emotional range. He doesn't have emotional range. So I didn't really understand what we were supposed to get from him, but probably it was just general jealousy at first because he did see the connection between Spike and Buffy as soon as Spike showed up at the restaurant. And then it turned to, oh yeah, I really don't like this guy because he's a vampire. And then the final nail in the coffin when the first shows up at the end of the episode and tells him that... Spike is the vampire that killed his mother. So, um, Buffy and Willow talk afterwards and Michael pointed out, cause Willow's like folding laundry. Michael's like, I think Willow's the only one that does any housework in this house. <laughs> She's always just like folding clothes or doing, you know, other housework. And it makes sense because, um, Buffy and Willow live together. They're the, they're the main people that live in the house besides Dawn, of course. And so it makes sense that Willow would be the one doing the majority of the housework. Um, so she's folding clothes and Buffy and Willow actually have sort of old school friend discussion of, do you think this is a date? I don't know if this is a date. Well, do you like him? Do you want it to be a date? You know, it's that sort of conversation. And it's cute because we just don't, we don't get to see Buffy and Willow interacting that often anymore, you know? Um, <laughs> Buffy suggests something like, well, maybe he's just like inviting me out to tell me that I'm doing a really good job at work. And Willow just starts like unintentionally like laughing. She's like, oh, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> and that's just cute because they do acknowledge in this episode you know, twice actually that like, you know, Buffy wasn't chosen to be the guidance counselor because she has any skills. Like you would have to have some training in psychology to be able to do that job properly, you know? So anyway, 
there's this whole conversation about like Sunnydale being since it's on a hell mouth it's sort of like you're always being showered with evil but it's kind of like a shower from below it's a bidet it's a bidet of evil <laughs> so the hell mouth um is a bidet of evil which is funny um Xander walks in to like tell them that he's got a date and it's like oh yeah Buffy has a date too ha 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 and then they have a cute little conversation between the three of them which again we don't get to see that very often anymore this episode really is sort of like a sweet little throwback episode to like the first couple seasons of Buffy it really is um written by Jane Espenson which we love so yay for that yay for a Jane Espenson um episode. I am here for it. Always. Um, and Willow asks Xander at one point, because they're suspecting that maybe Principal Wood is evil. We don't know. Maybe it's a date. Maybe he's evil. Maybe he's just inviting her out for a promotion. Who knows? And Willow uh, turns to Xander. What about yours? She evil? Xander says, well, she's interested in me, so there's a good chance. Um, he ultimately decides that he doesn't want Willow, like, volunteers to, like, do a background check on both Principal Wood and um, Xander's date, but she doesn't do the background check until Buffy's already on the date, and also Xander was like, you know what, I'm going in cold on this one, I'm going to be an optimist, I'm going to assume that she's not going to kill me, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, this is when Giles comes home from shopping at the mall with Chow on because I guess he had to just like go get her and she couldn't get any of her stuff um and Xander at one point is like well it must be really hard you know like she, you find out you're a potential slayer and then you have to go to a foreign country and you can't take any of your things all of a sudden and that must be incredibly alienating to her so at least somebody is like thinking about her feelings a little bit but um Giles says something about like how um he got her ice cream and she starts speaking in Cantonese and we have subtitles so we know what she's saying um even if we don't speak Cantonese but um she's saying that she's actually lactose intolerant so she's pretty uncomfortable right now <laughs> oh man um and then we get a scene with Andrew is in the kitchen setting up the new microwave. I can't remember the reason, but I think the microwave got... Is that just because Dawn had to, like, bash in the microwave during that one episode? That was a long time ago, though. Anyway, he's setting up a new microwave. And he's just, like, reading the user manual, being cute. And then the first, as Jonathan shows up and is trying to fuck with him again, which, again, I say, why? When the first could manipulate, I mean, yes, Andrew is maybe easy to manipulate. However, he don't got no power, you know? Like, I don't understand the whole, like, well, it's not time for Spike yet. So they haven't triggered Spike because it's not time for him yet. That makes no fucking sense because they could... I mean, Spike could have taken them all out by now, basically. And the first is just like, no, it's okay. We're going to get Andrew to do it. <laughs> Stupid. 
But anyway, so for part of the episode, we don't know if Andrew is going along. Andrew's acting like he's going along with the first plan to kill all the potential slayers. And this is when that's set up, that plot point is set up in this um, part of the episode. But Andrew was never planning to do anything. He was just trying to gather information. Um, that's all. But yeah, so that's that. Um, oh, and the first at one point says to Andrew, you're a murderer. And Andrew's like, confidentially, a lot of her people are murderers, as in Buffy. Buffy's people are murderers. Um, Anya helps Buffy clean, is trying to help Buffy clean her shirt. Like, and it's a callback to that episode with, um, conversations with dead people. It's a callback to conversations with dead people because, um, Dawn accidentally gets pizza sauce on Buffy's shirt and she's like, nah, she's going to think it's blood. <laughs> and this is a callback to that because Buffy is like trying to get Anya to help her get blood out of her shirt, but they can't get it out. Um, and then she's like, and also it might be pizza sauce. <laughs> so then Anya and Buffy are having the conversation about, is this a date? I don't know if it's a date. And Anya says, or at one point she's like, and actually like, you know, she's worried about Xander. She's jealous. And she, she says something about like, you know, is he trying to make me jealous? And Buffy's like, well, it's not working, obviously. And Anya's like, are you nuts? Of course it's working. Observe my bitter ranting. Hear the shrill edge of hysteria in my voice. <laughs> it's really cute. That's the quote of the episode. Spike is wearing the stupidest clothes in this episode, guys. And he has been lately, just sort of like, without his leather jacket and his combat boots, he just... He doesn't do it for me, guys. He just doesn't. I don't like, he, like, he's been wearing, like, olive green shirts. And that's one of my favorite colors. I love olive green. But it looks so weird on Spike. So in this episode, at one point, he's wearing, like, a green, like, a dark green, like, cargo jacket. Like, canvas or something. I don't know. It's not him. It doesn't work doesn't work at all and then later in the episode the olive green shirt again it's just off-putting like I can't look at him like that <laughs> plus it's just like at this point in time and they're sort of doing this for a reason you know like we're not quite sure what Spike's personality is right now now that he has a soul like he seems to be and he's always been a very emotionally intelligent guy and he's empathic. So it makes sense that he's just, he's very, he's very nice and calm and collected right now, but he's sort of lost himself to a degree. And we'll get to see him in the next couple of episodes. I think it's in the one, I mean, for dramatic effect, it would make sense. I think it's in the one where he and Principal Wood face off that he goes into Buffy's attic or something or basement and she has a box of his stuff, including his leather jacket. So he puts his jacket back on and it's like a reclamation of I am still Spike. Yes, I have a soul now but I'm still Spike. And so that's a really good moment. But 
So I get why they're putting him in this weird clothing because we want to see him really coming back to himself when he finally gets his jacket back. Plus it makes it more dramatic that he's wearing, you know, he doesn't know that Principal Wood's mom was the slayer that he killed. He doesn't know that, but, um, you know, it's even more, um, of a blow for Robin Wood whenever he sees Spike in the jacket, in his mom's jacket, which, I mean, he was four years old at the time. Would he necessarily recognize that jacket? I don't think so, but you know, it's a good plot device and that's episodes away. So let's, let's come back to this episode. Okay. Are you nuts? Of course it's working. Observe my bitter ranting. Hear the shrill edge of hysteria in my voice. Um, so Buffy runs into Spike in the hallway after she talks to Anya in the bathroom and um that it sort of comes out that like maybe she's going on a date tonight she's not sure if it's actually supposed to be a date blah 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 and spike is very sweet about it you know he's like don't worry about me my eyes are clear i know that we're not gonna have a crib for two and a white picket fence which i like this i really like this from Spike's point of view, you know, Spike is not putting any sort of pressure on Buffy at all. He's being mature and he's respecting the boundaries that she has set in the past. However, Buffy's reaction to him being mature is that it makes her want him more. I mean, I guess when I say it that way, it makes sense. But what I mean is, I, from Buffy's point of view, Buffy's reaction to Spike not being a lovesick puppy towards her is that now she wants to chase him, is the vibe that I'm getting. Anyway, I don't, I just don't like this shit, man. I mean, like I said before, I like the character development that we get with Spike. He's a very good character, but the message is for Spike's character is intended to be, you know, his plot, his plot line was played out in the last season. When he attempted to rape Buffy, it reminded us all that he is not a good boyfriend and I'm okay with him going off and getting a soul, but I just feel like I don't know. I, it's, it's just too much the focus of season seven. It's really the emotional focus of season seven is how are we ever going to trust Spike again? It's making too much about Spike. This is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, not Spike the Vampire with a soul. <laughs> he doesn't get his own spinoff show. That's Angel. <laughs> anyway. Where are we? Okay. Outfit of the episode. It's, it's a tie between the two outfits, the main two outfits we see Ashanti in, in this episode. So when she shows up to the date, to the coffee date with Xander, she's wearing this like black mesh corsety top. Like it definitely has some structure to it because like her boobs are kind of pushed up. up. She looks good. 
it's like a corsety type top. It has like sort of the lacing in the front. And she's wearing a pencil skirt and some strappy heels. And then she's wearing like a, I, I don't know what you would call it. Like Michael thinks we, it's, you should call it a cardigan. It's a red crochet, like duster cardigan, but it's long. Like it's as long as her skirt almost. Um, it's really cool. It is really cool. I wish I had that red crochet. So that's my object of the episode right there. The red crochet duster cardigan thing. <laughs> it was really cute. She looked fucking cute. And then later in the episode, whenever she's torturing Xander and trying to bleed him to open the seal of Danzelthar, the um, evil manhole cover, as it was referred to in a previous episode, she's wearing like a really sexy sort of almost like a belly dancer outfit. It's very much Queen of the Damned inspired, I would say. It's like all black and she's wearing like silver, like goddessy cuff bracelets and goddessy tribal looking silver and black onyx jewelry. Very Queen of the Damned. But her skirt has a huge slit up the side and she has like muscular thighs. Just, I have a crush on Ashanti in this episode, guys. And then she's got that whole cat eye thing going on. <laughs> like, literally, they didn't put her in contacts. They did some sort of like digital effect making her eyes glow and it looked really cool, actually. This was a very Queen of the Damned moment. It makes me think that, you know, if Aaliyah hadn't died two years earlier, they might have tried to get Aaliyah to reprise her role as Akasha, Queen of the Motherfucking Damned, for this episode. But I enjoy Ashanti in this role. I do. I know nothing of her music or anything else from her life, but her presence in this episode, I wouldn't even be mad if she was in the tarot deck. Ooh, what would she be? I mean, it's a betrayal moment. So I could see them putting her in like the five or the seven of swords. I could see that. I could see that happening. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I can't decide which outfit I like better. She just looks amazing in both of them. Amazing. Okay, where are we? I just got distracted. Oh, so she sits down in at the coffee date and um, Xander says something about, like, he's already, he's already got his drink and he says something about, um, it's a red eye. It's black coffee with a shot of espresso. And he actually says espresso, which is just a pet peeve of mine because it's not espresso. It's espresso. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it's what he says he's drinking, but she takes the drink from him and takes a taste of it. And she's like, this is hot chocolate. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sometimes I have trouble sleeping. And it's just a sweet little exchange, I think, because then she orders a red eye because it sounded good. And I just, I don't know. I just like her. I want to date Ashanti. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay, and then we get um, 
Willow after Buffy has left for her date with Principal Wood. She's looking into him now. And it seems a little sus because he doesn't have, like, any history online, any paper trail before he got to Sunnydale. So she hasn't been able to find anything. Um, Chowan is upset because Giles has made flashcards of, like, to try to explain Slayer shit to her, I guess. And they're very bloody and upsetting. And he seems to not understand why she's upset. Which, again, like, why are we playing up Giles as being sort of this clueless, joyless adult? That's not Giles. That was Giles in the first two seasons, maybe. But that's not who he is anymore. At all. So, yeah, anyway. And it's just, you know, whatever. Stupid jokes. Um, and then Giles goes into another diatribe about, like, because this is the scene where he finds out that they're, that both Xander and Buffy are on dates right now. And he's like, what? Why, why are we focusing on our love life right now when we're about to fight the first primal evil? Which he does have a point. But at the same time, like, this is what their lives are. They might as well also date at the same time. Like, I don't see a problem with that. Anyway. Um, so Buffy and Robin, as they're on their way to the date, which is like a cute little romantic French restaurant tucked in the back of an alley. First of all, Buffy would know that this place exists because she's lived in Sunnydale a very long time and it's a small town but whatever she seems to be like not knowing where she is and some vampires attack them so this is the moment where you know she finds out that he can fend for himself and then there's like a we need to talk before they go into the restaurant before they um start their date and then we get conversation between the two of them. And we think that maybe they're they're not really flirting, but they seem to be vibing, you know? So we're not sure. You know, does she, is she interested in him? I don't know. But anyway, um, she, they talk about it and he, you know, says that he, he came to Sunnydale expressly because he knew that Buffy was there, I guess. Which is weird, right? I think. It's weird. But, you know, he basically tells her that he engineered himself to be in a position to be in her life. And then he hired her so that he could keep an eye on her. I don't know. It it feels contrived and I don't love it, but whatever. So then um, Buffy's like, so you didn't hire me for my counseling skills? <laughs> and he just starts laughing like uncontrollably, just like Willow did earlier in the episode. And he's like, oh, those are valuable too, whenever he realizes that she's serious. But I do like this acknowledgement because Buffy has not been a good counselor at all. I mean, it made sense kind of when he first hired her. Like, okay, yeah, I mean, she could have the ability to be an okay counselor. Remember that time in Earshot when she talked Jonathan out of killing himself? you know, maybe she could have the skill. She's been through a lot. Um, but she isn't a good counselor at all because she's totally self-absorbed. 
And then um, Buffy, like, asks him why he knows about Slayers. So he says, you know, his mom was a Slayer. And the way that he words it is stupid. He's like, my mom was a Slayer. Well, the Slayer, actually. Like, duh, she was the Slayer. There's only one. <laughs> At this point in time, there's only one. Except for the anomaly that there's also Faith. Um, but yeah, anyway. <sighs> Guys. I'm just having a hard time with this season. Okay, so. Um, Andrew and Jonathan. We get another scene with them. Jonathan the first. Um, Jonathan slash the first, as Andrew calls him. Um, and the first is trying to get um, Andrew to use the gun that um, Willow as Warren bought in the last episode. Was that the last episode? Yes, it was. Um, and he is, you know, trying to get information out of him. And he asks at one point, Andrew asks the first, are you made up of all the evil impulses of humans? So like, if everyone were unconscious, you would fade away or something like that. And the first becomes suspicious and asks him if he's wearing a wire. Um, and then it does like a threatening thing in front of Willow and Don and Kennedy, I think might be the only ones there. They're not really showing any of the potentials in this episode except Chowan. I think that's it. Um, where are we? Shanti outfit number two, Queen of the Damned. We already discussed that. Spike wearing olive green. Already discussed that. Um, after the whole situation with um, Andrew, um, they're all in the living room and Dawn is like removing the wire, removing the tape from Andrew's chest like very slowly because he doesn't want her to like rip it off fast. And um, she's just sort of, you know, taking care of him. And afterwards, um, Dawn says to Andrew, you did a great job. You know, you were very brave or something like that. And Andrew just says, thank you. You're a peach. It's just so cute. <laughs> So cute, Andrew calling Dawn a peach. I love it. Anyway. Um, again, Giles is angry. That's my next note. Um, and they're gonna, they need to call Buffy because Xander has paged Willow, I think, or texted her. I think he texted her somehow. I don't understand how he did that, but whatever. And it was a code of some kind, but... Willow, it's a code saying that he's in danger, basically. But Willow doesn't remember what the codes are, which, really? Okay, whatever. Um, at this point in time, they would be... <laughs> after seven years of fighting evil, they would all be very hypervigilant. They would all have PTSD. Like, they wouldn't be so blasé about everything all the time. You know, like, one thing that struck me is when they were in, when Buffy and Robin were in the alley on the way to the date, I, I kind of missed it. So it's possible that I don't know what I'm talking about here, but I'm pretty sure, I know for sure that Robin has a holster with a stake in it. So he reaches like under his jacket and there's a holster with a stake, you know, cause he's like 
badass rogue demon fighter guy. But Buffy doesn't bring stakes with her places. I don't know. Maybe she had one. I, I tend to like black out during fight scenes anyway, but I don't think she had a stake. I think she just, I don't know. Maybe she did. Don't, don't listen to me, but <laughs> just, it just struck me whenever I saw him put the stake back into the little holster. It's like Buffy doesn't have things like that. Why doesn't she have things like that? I know she's supposed to be all like a different, she's, she's not like other slayers. <laughs> She is full of fashion sense, but like she never is prepared for things. I mean, she's prepared in that she is always aware of her surroundings and she gets the job done, but she's not actually like, she's not packing. (laughs) She just uses whatever's around her. Anyway, so where are we? But or Willow tries to call Buffy, but Buffy, of course, didn't take her cell phone with her on her date because she never does. Um, so Spike has to go find her and he um, he thinks he can pick up her scent. So he follows her to the restaurant and she's like Robin is like feeding her like some kind of pear dessert and. Buffy is eating it from a fork whenever Spike walks in. So I guess at this point it's sort of turned into a date, I guess. I don't know. Principal Wood is not my type. I don't like butch and I don't like neat facial hair. His facial hair is extremely neat. And bald also, well, you know what? Bald can be okay. Bald can be okay in the right context. But Principal Wood, not my type. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so Spike shows up to say that Xander's in trouble. So they all get in Principal Wood's car. Like, weren't they walking to the restaurant? But whatever, whatever. They're in his car. They're going. He's glaring at Spike in the rearview mirror, which he shouldn't be able to do. (laughs) It's so weird when people are in a car in Sunnydale, you know, because it always seems like they can just walk to wherever. So why are they in a car? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway. Um, then we get Buffy versus Ashanti because they get to the Seal of Danzelthar. And at first I was like, how the fuck did they know where Xander was? But I get it now because um, well, there was some kind of, there was a clue at one point. Oh, Willow did a locator spell. That's how they like, kind of peppered that into the conversation that Willow did a locator spell. So that's how they know where Xander is, which I appreciated. That's all you got to do is just drop in a throwaway line that you almost forget that you even heard to have an explanation for how the fuck did they find Xander? (laughs) So they get there, Buffy versus Ashanti, Um, Robin Wood, Spike also fighting as well. Um, Robin Wood's getting Xander down. And, um, Buffy versus Robin. Okay. And then the very telling moment. And it's telling for me. Okay. So what happens is what happened was, so the fight's over. She's decapitated Ashanti and she reverted into a sweaty old white guy demon. (laughs) 
She went from Queen of the Dam to Old White Guy Demon. But then she also disappeared. I think. Didn't she? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe she didn't disappear. She just turned into a demon that they left in the fucking basement of the school. Whatever. But afterwards, Buffy immediately runs to Spike to check on him. She's concerned for him. Which is fine, except I think what we're supposed to think is, oh, she checked on Spike first, which means that she doesn't really care about Principal Wood, so I guess they're not going to be in a relationship. I think that's what we're supposed to think. But in my mind, I'm like, why didn't she fucking check on Xander, who was just bleeding out? They make it look like his wound is nothing, like as he's laying there, but it's bad. I mean, it should be bad, but anyway... That's what pissed me off, that she didn't go check on Xander first. I mean, you know, you guys know, I don't give a shit about Xander in general as a character, but that's her best friend. All she cares about right now is Spike. She has Spike tunnel vision, and I hate it. And we get a real serious glare from Robin whenever he notices that Buffy is like concerned for Spike. And they all just sort of exchange looks in a way that means... Yep, this is no longer a date. And also, uh, we're never going to have one again. Like, it's all, you know, unsaid glances in this moment right here. Um, And then we get a scene where um, they're back at home. Everybody's waiting. It's like 2 a.m., I guess. Everybody's waiting for Buffy and Xander to get back. And, um, they're all nervous and Anya's sort of pacing around and like, what if he's hurt? What if he's injured? And somebody's like, I thought, I thought you were mad at Xander or something like that. And Anya says, my feelings are changeable, but intense. <laughs> and Michael really liked that moment. <laughs> he was like, that's how I always feel. <laughs> it was just good. And then Xander gets back and he's all bandaged up and he does that whole fucking joke of like asking Willow to make him gay because he's done with women. Um, And then Giles makes a big speech about how everybody needs to start taking things seriously. Um, He's just, he's being a bit much right now, which I just think is out of character for him. I mean, I, I think this whole plot point would have been fine if they had just taken the Giles seriousness level from an eight to a six, you know, because <laughs> usually Giles has more of a sense of humor than this at this point, you know, um, then the very, or almost the very end, the next to the last scene, like everybody, it seems like everybody has gone to bed or something and Buffy's sitting on the couch and she's wearing like a white sweater and she's like all curled up into herself, just sort of contemplative on the couch and Spike sits next to her. And he says, so did you, did you hear what happened here tonight? Referring to like the whole Andrew, the first situation and the fact that the first had said, it's not time for Spike yet. Um, you know, implying that the trigger is still a thing and Spike's like, so I I should probably get out of town, you know, get away before it is time for me, which is very mature and very practical. And if Giles knew that Spike was saying this, he might not hate Spike so much, you know? But, so he says that, 
and Buffy really selfishly, I think she just sort of says, no, no, you're not going anywhere. And she basically says that the reason that she's not allowing him to go anywhere is because she's not done with him yet. She just says, I'm not ready for you to not be here. And I don't know if we're supposed to think that this moment is sweet. It's like when he's finally trying to respect her boundaries, she's like, no, never mind. I don't have boundaries. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't like it. But I've spent, you know, most of this episode of this podcast saying that I don't like it. So let's move on. So then the very, very last scene of the episode Principal Wood is in his bathroom, like washing his face at the end of the night or whatever. And he sees his mom's reflection in the mirror. And so the first is showing up to him for the first time as his mother. And um, she reveals to him that Spike is the one that killed her. So that's the way the episode ends with that little bit of drama. Like, you know him, you fought at his side. And then Robin's like, Spike. <laughs> oh, so drama. So drama. Much drama. Yes, let's get to ratings. Okay, I haven't actually written these down yet, so. Let me get my pen. Object of the episode is the... I'm just going to call it a red crochet duster, even though I don't know if that's the correct term. I usually know the fashion terms, but I don't for that. I mean, would you still call it a cardigan if it goes all the way to your knees? I don't think so. Buffy at one point during the episode, during her date, she was wearing like a black lace thing like that, but it was over jeans. Gross, man. Gross. Anyway outfit of the episode. Um, I'm just going to write Ashanti because it's both of them. I mean, whatever she was wearing, whenever Xander first meets her at the hardware store, it's like, you know, just casual wear. So it wasn't that outfit, but it was the other two. Ashanti's last two. Those are the, that's the outfit of the episode. Quote of the episode is um, Anya's whole, like, note the, <laughs> what was it? I know I already said it twice, but I'm saying it again. Are you nuts? Of course it's working. Observe my bitter ranting. Hear the shrill edge of hysteria in my voice. <laughs> oh, I love it. MVP. Okay. Who is that? I'm going to give it to Spike, actually. Because in this episode, he was nothing but an emotionally mature person. Which we don't get to see from Spike very often. So I'm going to give it to him. Five by five. Let's see. This episode was okay. Like I didn't like how Buffy's not being respectful towards Giles. And I didn't like that Giles was being overly serious in this episode. But other than that, it was mostly fun. So I'll give it a three. Okay. So that's it for first date. We'll be back next week with the episode is called 
Get it done? Is that right? Yes. I don't even know what that is. Hold please while I consult the episode guide. Buffy receives Nikki Wood's Slayer bag and within it finds the answer to a question she's been asking for years. Okay. So this is the one where Buffy finds out that the Slayer's origin was essentially a bunch of white guys getting chaining up a girl and getting a demon to rape her. Yep. <laughs> so we find out that the Slayer's powers origins are not only originate with demonic evil, but it's also the result of a rape. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to talk about. Um, because yeah, I would almost like to research what like smart people think about that as a metaphor, because I don't even know if I know what to say about that, but we'll get into that next week, <laughs> literally, because it's going to be the 18th and I'm off that day. So that just means that I will, you know, <laughs> I will most likely actually record on the day. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, thank you guys for listening and I will see you next week. Bye.